This morning, we're going to, first of all, we are anticipating this new year, and we welcome you that's here with us today. We appreciate you coming. I had a surprise guest that was in the study here. Uh, Apostle Thomas and his wife came by to visit this morning to just see us before the new year entered in. But we so appreciate all that God has done and has done throughout this year, 2023. And today we're going to kind of give a summary of 2023, not really a summary, but to somehow summarize what uh, God has been saying to us as we talk about the year of transformation. This year we called it the year of transformation. So today's message, I'm going to talk about our journey. We're going to talk about our journey. And I call this journey a transforming journey. That's the title I'm going to use this morning, the transforming journey because life itself is a journey. Sister Shirley uh, Carter's uh, brother, only brother, uh, transitioned as well. We're praying for the family, uh, their family as well. All of these took place within the week, and it's a part of our journey, a part of our journey. The things that we face, the things that we're facing, and we realize that this journey at the close, we wonder there are things that's happening. There are many things when we're on a journey that happens along the way. Things that are difficult for us to, to understand or even to describe. But understand the journey is not over yet. It's from here to eternity. See, God has given us eternal life, so it's here to a place where all of the struggles and all of the challenges that we face in this life have been done away with. You see, we're going to a place. Those of us who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, we're going somewhere. There is a destination point for those that believe on the Lord. We're not just going through life haphazardly, but there is a destination point. There is a, an arrival that's going to take place with all of us as we journey from here to eternity. But then, as we journey, we must pay, take heed to all of the things that we face from the beginning to the end, because everything that we face in life has significance. None of these things are just happenstance, but there's something that we learn along the way. We mentioned we're facing some of the most trying of circumstances. And what the Lord is doing, he is revealing himself. The Lord is revealing himself to us in a new way. You see, you must trust God like you never trusted him before. You must believe on him like you've never believed on him before. And yet what happens when you're in this crucible, crucible of life where you're forced to have to either believe him or reject him, the Lord reveals himself in a new way. Understand, it's a part of your transformation. This is all a part of your transformation. You want to be like Christ? This is a part of your transformation because that glory that you are anticipating is on the other side of your pain. Did you hear what I said? It's on the other side of your pain. 
What does the scripture say? Weeping endureth. Now, stop there. Weeping endureth. How long, though? But for a night. But then it says, the morning is coming, but this morning is not just a morning that comes after the night. This is a morning that remains. He said, there will become a day. You will enter into a new day. And that new day is daylight forever. Daylight forever. And then the joy that you will experience is, you see, is in no wise, your suffering, brother, is in no wise comparable to the joy that you would experience on the other side. Now, now, how can you do that, Lord? The Lord has a way of giving you so much joy on the other side that you'll pretty much forget about the pain. This day that you're suffering through right now, this challenge that you're facing now, when you get this joy, it's almost like giving birth to a baby. When the baby comes, when the baby arrives, then all of the pain and labor, you begin to see where it was, all, it was worth it all. But that's what God does. I like Scripture when it talks about, he said, the Lord heals the brokenhearted. He heals the brokenhearted. Now, now, now understand what he's saying here. In order for the healing to take place, there has to be, you have to become the brokenhearted. There are some things that will break your heart. So when your heart has been broken, God comes in and heals the brokenhearted. That's where it is, 147 and 3. And he says, not only does he heal the brokenhearted, he binds up all of their wounds. He binds up all of their wounds. And, and, and when he says binds up all the wounds, it's as if you had never been wounded. It's as, ne it's as if you've never been troubled. It will be when he wipes away the tears from your eyes, he doesn't just wipe, aw wipe away the, the, a part of the wetness that's upon the eyes, but understand at that particular point, those tears, you become tearless because if there's any tears then, they're tears of joy because of all that God would have made known to you. Now, I was thinking about a scripture that would fit perfectly into what I believe God wants us to understand here, and it's out of uh, the book of Luke chapter 17, and verse 11. I'd like you to turn to that. Luke chapter 17, verse 11. We talk about this journey. We talk about this journey. I'm going to give you an example of a journey that took place uh, even as it related to lepers, uh, the lepers here. It says, now it happened as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then as he entered a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers, who stood afar off, and they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Who are they calling on? Who are you calling on? You see that? Jesus, how did they, rec how did they recognize him? Who did they recognize him to be? Master. Jesus is important. These are it's very significant that they saw him as Jesus, Jehovah is salvation. He is their salvation, but he is also their Lord. You see, we see him as our Savior, 
but then they also saw him as their Lord. They said, Jesus, Master, we have placed all things under your control. All that we have, all that we are is under your control. Then he says, have mercy on us. And the Bible, if you go further into it, it's talking about the true mercies of David. Understand that he is the Lord of mercy. He's the God of all comfort, but he's also the Lord of mercy. He's merciful. So when he saw them, all of this is important. They were crying out. And then Jesus, they, they, they began to, uh, they gained his attention. He began to focus his attention in their direction. And when Jesus, when he says, saw them, it is saying that he looked, he began to look into them. He began to look into their situation. He began to look into their problems. The thing that they were facing, Jesus was able to intricately deal with every aspect of what they were facing at that particular moment, as he is with us. So then he says, he said to them, he said to them, he said to them, he saw them first, then he spoke to them. And here's what he said here. He said, now go. Go show yourselves to the priests. Now, I'm getting anxious about this theme that we're going to be sharing with you tonight. But go and show yourselves to the priests. Wait a minute now. If we show ourselves to the priests while we're leprous, what, would we, what kind of thing would we have done? We do not go before the priest unclean. You do not go before the priest if you're leprous, because if anything, you need to be in a leprous, a leprous colony. But they didn't say go to the colony, go show yourself unto the priest as if you are already clean, even before you clean. You got to see this. You have to see this story. He said, even before they, listen to what the Lord is saying. I want you to act like you're clean even before you get clean. I want you to trust your promises still stand. Great is your faithfulness because if the Lord says, go and show yourself to the priest, then obviously something is going to happen along the way. They're on a journey now. They're on a journey. We are on a journey, a journey of transformation. But understand what God is saying to us. He says, but if you don't go, what would have happened if they didn't move? What would have happened? They said, well, well, well I can't go before the priest until I'm clean. I can't go before the priest until there's evidence of the fact that you've done something because I don't want to embarrass myself. And by all means, I don't want to be condemned by coming before the priest with leprosy. But who said it? Jesus said, he says, leave my presence. Wait a minute, Jesus, you didn't lay hands on me. 
Wait, Lord, you didn't anoint me with oil. You didn't, you didn't even tell me that I'd been delivered. You told me to go in the current state that I am in. Even a leprous man is to journey in the direction of the priest. He's going to the place where the priest is, is occupying. And he says, so go and show yourselves to the priest. They had to trust him. They had to trust his word. Yet the word. Now, now the Lord did, uh, here he'd been much better if he said, Go your church, please. And, and, and when you get there, you, uh, you're going to receive a miracle. He says, No, obey my word even when you don't understand. Even when you don't understand. I, I began to say, when the Lord told us to go, he began to tell us, Why are you here? Why do we assemble ourselves? It doesn't make a lot of stuff that God has us to do doesn't always make sense in the moment. The Bible, Jesus says, you see, the, the Word of God says, this is what the Word of God says, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together in the matter some is, and all the more when you see that day approaching. That doesn't really make sense. What, what is your motive? You see, what happens, oftentimes we question the motive of the one that gave us direction. And, and when we read into it something that's really not there but appears to be the motive, we miss out on the promise that God has given to those because we understand the promise still stands, but are you willing to stand on the promise? Are you willing to stand on the promise? Are you willing to invest your lives into that which God has in fact spoken? I was thinking as I was driving in, I said, some people think that it's all about that the reason obedience to cer certain disciplines are required, it, is, it, 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 it becomes very uh, restrictive to them, and, and, and it, it appears to be controlling to certain individuals. But those, those disciplines are not there merely to control you, but for you to receive the best that God has to offer you. Are you hearing this? Prayer, uh, giving, church attendance, uh, uh, Bible study, and uh, all of the things that God would have us do, the disciplines that he loving, even the unlovable. You see, what happens, there are some things we must practice in order to receive God's best. He says, so go show yourselves to the priest. And this is the point I love. And so it was. And so it was, not based upon any promise, but only a command, only a command to go. But he says, and so it was, as they went, they were cleansed. Uh, that was a continuation of, it was continuous healing that took place within them as they journeyed in the direction of the command. He says, when you go to show yourselves to the priest, something began to happen to them along the way. He said, now, now let's, let, let's see, it's 10 of them now, 10 of them, 10 of them. There's one. No, one person do it, it's different. But when you have 10 folk, you got time to have a conversation. There's time for people to, 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 to communicate with one another. Can you imagine what kind of communication would take place among 10? 
Why would the Lord? I thought he'd heal me. He healed some other folk, but here he's telling me to go show myself to preach. He said, he said, and the priest is the one that's supposed to pronounce us clean once we've been cleansed. This doesn't make sense to us. It doesn't make sense to us. You see, well, I'm going to go along. If not, you say, I'm going to go a little while, but the more I talk to you guys, the more discouraged I become in relation to going in the, where the priest is. To, to go to, I can't walk into the temple like this. I can't walk. You, you see the kind of reasoning rationale would take place among people who communicate among themselves. You could talk yourself out of the miracle. Just by reasoning among yourselves. Just by speaking to others who have been commissioned to go on the same journey. What is happening? God told us, a year of transformation. He said, this is a year where lives will be transformed. How many of you say, well, I, I don't see much transformation taking place in me, but God's promise is to transform us into becoming who he intends for us to become. And the journey does not end when the year ends because the journey is from here to eternity. He says, but go show yourselves to the priest. And the Bible says, and as they went, as they journeyed, as they moved in the direction of the command given by Jesus Christ, things begin to happen to them. Their leprosy begin to dry up. And he said, I'm almost there now, but I'm still unclean to a degree. I'm, I'm not as leprous as I once was, but I'm still journeying. He said, I still have some problems right now, and I must stand before the priest, but you know what? These sores are drying up. I can feel something now. My feeling is coming back. I've become... Now, now leprosy, leprosy has a spiritual uh, implication. When you begin to look at leprosy, you begin to see the spiritual implication of leprosy. Anything that God does, we're going to see how it relates or reflects something that's spiritual. A leper loses his or her sense of feeling. A leper can run into a, a wall or bump his foot against a rock and break off his toes and not know that his toes are missing. Why? Because he doesn't feel anything. And when you don't feel anything, it's very easy to believe nothing really happened. I didn't feel that. I didn't feel, I didn't feel that anything took place. Therefore, there's no harm in it because I didn't feel any different than I felt beforehand. Because spiritual leprosy can take place within one's life. Whereby the person is going through life and because they're not feeling suffering, uh, they're not feeling any pain, they go on as if nothing has really happened. But understand, when you got involved in a particular thing, something was lost as a result of doing that. So we had to be very careful. Well, well, the Lord said, the Lord said, do this, do that, the other. But I didn't feel. I just don't feel it. I just don't feel it. Because a leopard does not feel like a person that's healed would feel. Those sores. And then eventually the end result of leprosy, if it runs its full course, is death itself. That leprosy will eventually, you will die of some disease because it breaks down your immune system. You see, your immune system is broken down. You, you, now you can, you're, you're, you, you can catch any kind of disease, any kind of illness can come upon you, and you don't even know you have it. 
because your immune system is broken down. And the same thing applies spiritually. As we, as we move away, we are not immune to the disease of sin. There are certain things that can catch hold of us and take over within our lives that we don't even know that the damage is being done. It can be something that we would never think would happen to us, but find ourselves engaged in that thing. But the Lord says in this year of transformation, he said the process is as important as the destination. You see the, the, you see, the journey is as important as the destination. He said, I want you to continue. I want you to continue. If I get anything across to your church, I want you to continue in my word. Don't start off in faith and end up in doubt or end up in something else, but start in faith and remain in faith. Let's finish 2023 well as a people of faith. Amen. Amen. So the year of transformation, the, the process of transformation is a part of our journey. It's, it, we do not want to be the same at the end as we were at the beginning. Are we getting bitter or are we getting better? That's really a question you have to ask yourself. Are we getting bitter? Or, because situations, when things don't work out the way we would like for them to work out, it's easy to get bitter. It's easy to get better, bitter. And when you get bitter, that bitterness cannot be contained. But it becomes widespread. It becomes like a cancer. People begin to know your disposition has shifted from the person that you once were. You see, your light is not shining as it once would shine. Why? Because bitterness has it into your life. When you, you, you may have the same message. You may say some of the same words, but they don't come off the same way because there's a different spirit operating within you because of what's happened over the years. Hardness has set in. You see, people can say things that are very kind out of habit, but the meaning is missing. The meaning is That's why the Bible said, not everyone that said to me, Lord, Lord, they might have started saying, Lord, Lord, uh, and meant it, but now they say, Lord, Lord, because it's just a habit to say, Lord, Lord. Worship is no longer the same. Prayer is no longer the same. You see, because the experiences within their lives cause them to become bitter. But God's intention is for your prayer life to become more, uh, you become uh, uh, more fervent in prayer. You become more energetic, energetic and more alive in the things of God, even though you've gone through some stuff. I was watching Carol as she was leading the song, re singing in the background. But that song now, those songs now are taking on a different meaning. You see, uh, Sister Shirley, the, the, the serving and, and the things you you see, ministry is taking on a different meaning now when, when, we, when we have to trust God in areas where we had not had to trust Him before. You, you, you see, so this is a journey. It, it, we don't want to become bitter. How much of Christ now is being seen in you in comparison to how you saw Him when you first began? Because understand this, that there's a light shining in you the way you handle tragedy, the way you handle situations, the way you handle circumstances. There's a light that's shining in you. There's a light that's I'm going to tell you something. You, you see, think about it. Think about it before Christ, how you would handle these situations and these experiences. How would you handle them? 
Think about it now. But now, how can you still say, blessed be the name of the Lord? You, you see, even in the midst of what you just, the trials and the situation, circumstances that you're encountering. But you can say it because, you see, you, you're becoming better and your light is shining brighter than ever before. Uh, I, I just mentioned these names, but you see so many out here. I see you, widows and widowers, the same thing. Your light is shining. I'm telling you, people see Jesus in you now. Angie, people see Jesus. You see, people see Jesus in you. Those that have lost loved ones. See, Jesus is showing up. And he is, this light is shining forth in you and through you in the midst of your loss. So now, how much, you see, uh, you, you see, you, 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 you're changed, you're being changed. And as we evaluate or assess our lives, it's our desire for that change to continue on. Now, uh, the other part of that is when we engage in what's called uh, stubborn resistance. Stubborn resistance. God's intention is to live his life his desire is to live his life through us, to live, not just to give us life. Jesus gave his life for us that he might become life to us. Did you hear me? He gave his life for us so that he might become life to us. But then the whole thing, that's living a crucified life, but then stubborn resistance is when you engage in subtle rebellion. It's not how to be overt rebellion. It can be very subtle rebellion. You see, one act of, that, that, that's acting in such a way uh, that you're, you're not really uh, willing to yield everything to him as you ought. And, and then you can justify it because the Bible says there's a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof leads to death. Their eyes are blind. Their focus is misdirected. Here's a scripture to help you see this. Jeremiah 48 and verse 11. Look what he talks about Moab. He said, Moab had been at ease from his youth. He has been at ease from his youth. Settled. He has settled on his dregs. In other words, you, I would venture to say a person who gets into a habit of doing things. He has been conditioned to think the way he thinks. Let me put it this way. Your habits. You settle into your habits. Is that a good way of putting it? You settle into your habits. This is what we do. This is how we do it. And you say, well, nothing can change that. Nothing can change the patterns that have been established within one's life. He said, that person has settled on his dregs. And he says, and, and, and understand this, when it talks about settling on your dregs, or, or the dregs, when you are engaged in wine, when you make wine, what you do, you take the, the, the juice and you pour it into a different vessel because he has not been emptied from vessel to vessel. Now listen to what he is saying happens in, in, in uh, winemakers. They take the juice, and they have it in a vessel, but as it begins to mature, as it begins to f ferment, 
The, the whole process of fermentation will cause the bitterness that resides within the juice that's settled for the dregs to form within the wine. Now, how do those dregs come? Over the years, over the weeks, over the months, over, you see, I would say experiences will cause dregs to develop within one's life. Now, here's what happens. When those dregs, and I would say, listen to me now, that resides within all of us. It resides within all of us. You had a place. Have you been to a place you say, I don't know, this stuff ain't working. This thing ain't happening the way I like it to happen. I, right now, this moment, I'm angry. Right now, I don't understand. I, I feel like giving up. I feel like giving in. And the Lord says, what I'm going to do, I'm going to take your life and I'm going to pour you into a different experience. <laughs> your life. Now you're being poured into a different experience. And when you're poured into a different experience, the bitterness that resided on the top now is on the bottom. It's on the bottom. You, you say, Lord, wait a minute now, wait a minute now. What have you just done? You've taken the thing that caused me to be bitter, but now you've poured me in a different experience, and now that which caused me to be bitter is on the bottom. It's on the bottom. He says, so now, what do you say? Now, now you think that, that, that because the dregs on the bottom... Praise the Lord again. I feel refreshed. I feel renewed because the dregs are still there, but they're on the bottom. But many of the dregs that were on the top have been skimmed off the top. He takes that and he skims the dregs that are visible from the top, but yet he didn't get all the dregs out of the wine. So when you're poured into a different vessel, now whatever remaining dregs remain, over time, begins to rise to the surface. And you say, well, I thought I had gotten rid of all my dregs. I thought I could just have a heyday with God and I could just rejoice in the Lord. Because, now where did these dregs come from? I thought you got them all. I thought, because right now, I'm where I want to be. I'm doing what I want to do. I can never, ever imagine myself ever being the kind of person that I once was. But there were still some dregs that were on the, that were on the bottom that now over a period of time begins to rise to the top. But praise God, it's not the same quantity of dregs that once resided within the life of the believer. But then what happens? The wine master has to come in in this new vessel and gets rid of those, those dregs. And that process continues over and over and over again until the bitterness within your life is gone and nothing remains but the sweetness 
of the flavor of the wine. Oh, listen to me. The Lord is in the process of making your life sweet. He wants you to look like Jesus. What do we do on communion? We take what? We take the bread, which was broken. We take the cup, the wine, representing his blood, pure blood, purified blood. That blood purifies us. It cleanses us from all unrighteousness. And then, but if you sin, guess what he does? He is just faithful and just to forgive your sin and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. So the, 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 the work, the effectual working of the blood of Jesus Christ is still working in all of us. But Moab would not allow himself. He allowed one experience to break him. One experience. That's the bottom line. That's it. That's the straw that broke the camel's back. I, I said, this is the deal breaker. If, if, if my loved one was to die or if my, the person I love was to leave me, you see how we place conditions? If this person offends me, if this ever happens within my life, deal breaker, I'm gone. I'm gone. And the Lord said, wait a minute now. He said, I want to pour you into a different experience because there are still some dregs. I'm removing some dregs, but there are still some dregs that are in the process of forming and some dregs that had not risen to the top as of yet. They just hadn't come to the top as of yet. You don't even know, you don't know what's in you until you go through process. How would you handle grief? How would you handle loss? How would you handle discouragements and disappointments? You see, Paul began to talk about he went through, but not in despair. He was crushed down, but not broken. You see, things happened to him. It didn't take away the experience, but how he handled the experience was based upon his confidence in the Lord. He said, now, he said, the thing is that he had not been emptied from vessel to vessel, nor has he gone into captivity? Wait a minute now. Neither had he ever been arrested. When you go into captivity, he had never been in a place where he had no control over his own faculties, where someone was telling him when to wake up, when to sit down, when to do this, do that, or the other. He had not gone through that. He always felt the liberty and freedom to do as he pleased. That's where Moab was. He said, so that added to it. He said, so as long as he had the liberty to do as he pleased, he said, therefore his taste remained in him. Not only did his taste remain in him, his scent has not changed. He still smelled just like he always smelled. <laughs> he didn't smell good. There's a, there a, we call that word rank. Uh, <laughs> that's another word they call it, rank, 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 <laughs> smell to him. So, so, so God is wanting to take us through. We go through seasons, uh, uh, seasons, times are changing. 
And as time change, changes that we must go through as a result of the changes that's taking place all around us. The question is, are we being changed as we evaluate or assess our lives as we head into this new year? You know, we have to look at how much change is really taking place within us as we go through process. This evaluating our own lives, assessments must be made. You have to, and, and then what happens, you in the past, you had to make decisions along the way. You are the product of your decisions. You had to make decisions along the way. Every step of the way, you had to make a decision. Every time the word goes forth, every time you face a crisis, you must decide which direction you're going to go into. But then understand there's always these temptations there that's trying to allure you, these alluring influences to go in an opposite direction. But you must decide. But yet at the same time, opportunities are contained within that. Because you have the opportunity to respond to the leading of the Holy Spirit. When all these things are happening, the Holy Spirit is still at work. So before you make your New Year's resolutions, use this time for reflection and introspection. Begin to look at your life, assess your life as to what direction you're going. Now, now, now uh, Ecclesiastes 9, very familiar, 9-11, uh, because I like that uh, whole, whole uh, for everything, there's a time, a season, for every purpose under heaven, a time to be born. You know that. But it is that I return and saw under the sun that the race is not given to the swift. Did you hear this? It's not given to the swift. Start off fast. Or another battle to the strong. It doesn't care how fast you are. I don't care how strong you are. Nor bread to the wise. I don't care how smart you are. That still doesn't mean you can transform or transform your knowledge into bread. Nor riches to men of understanding. Look like these are the things that ought to really get us over, to get us over at the top. Because if, if the race, if I'm swift, if I'm strong, if I'm wise, and if I have understanding, what more do I need in life? Nor favor to men of skill. And if I know how to do things right, but he says, but understand what you've been given. But time and chance, opportunity, happens to them all. he give you opportunity and he give you time to cash in on opportunity. You just had 12 years, right? 12 months, rather. You had 12 months. That was a poem. I wasn't going to read it, but it's called Victory by Herbert Kaufman. I read it several years ago and continue to read it. He says, you're the man who used to boast that you achieved the uttermost Someday, you merely wish to show, the, to demonstrate how much you know and prove the distance you can go. That's Herbert Kaufman victory. You might look it up here. He says, another year we just passed through. What new ideas came to you? How many big things did you do? Time left, 12 fresh months in your care. How many of them did you share with opportunity and dare? Again, where you so often miss, we do not find you on the list of makers good. Explain the fact. Ah, no, t'was not chance you lacked. As usual, you failed to act.
That's what he says. The opportunity that God gives us to act has been given us to us now. The, the, uh, as I continue towards the close, because I'm going to take a few more minutes here, but uh, we begin to see what God has given us when we begin to think about the chance and opportunity provided for us. Here's what he said. He says here in Matthew, let me just, no, let's not go there. Let's look at this, the resolutions that we make as we get ready to make some resolutions. This is just saying this year, this will go. You see, we must continue to do what God has called us to do the way God has called us to do it. It's either his way or our way. You know the song, I did it my way. If you did it your way, you did it the wrong way. <laughs> you did it the wrong way. So, so I, I, I wrote down about know-it-alls are the most restless of all. <laughs> See, know-it-alls are the most restless of all. When you do it your way, you're restless because you're trying to figure life out on your own. They're the most restless. It is, I, call, I call it tripping. That's tripping. What is tripping? It's an unsteady walk while stumbling over your own tongue or over your own words, trying to make sense out of senseless chatter or psychobabble. You're trying to make it work. This, this is what I said. I got to make what I said come true. It's like... Uh, Y'all, you ever see, I watched this thing years ago. Uh, it's called Pearly Victorious. Did you see that? Pearly Victorious. Uh, Pearly Victorious with, uh, 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 it was a lot of good actors in that. But, 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 but here's, here's what he said. He, he'd lie. He'd always lie. He'd just lie like everything. So when he get to the line, he said, I never told a lie that I didn't want to come, that I didn't believe to come true one day. <laughs> so he lied like everything, but he's saying, now some kind of way we got to make that lie into a truth. But, but this is what, uh, I want you to read this guy by the name of Sheldon Van Auken. I'll spell his last name. It's, it's, a, very, it's a classic. It's called A Severe Mercy, Story of Faith, Tragedy, and Triumph. But uh, Sheldon, S-H-E-L-D-O-N, uh, Van Auken, V-A-N-A-U-K-E-N. And you might want to read that book because it's profound. Now, I'm going to go a little deep on this statement here because it is so in line with what I want to say to you here. And, and, and if you can find it now, you can put it on the screen too. But it's a severe mercy, a story of faith, tragedy, and triumph. This is what it says. It says, between the probable between the probable and there yawns a gap. Afraid to jump, we stand absurd. Then we see behind us sink the ground, and worse, our very standpoint crumble, crumbling. Desperate yawns, our only hope to leap into the word that opens up 
the shuttered universe. Now, I'm going to try to break that down. I'm going to try to break that down. <laughs> I'm going to see if I can break it down because it's heavy. When I read it, I said, oh, I saw it. And I said, but let me see if I can explain it. Between the probable, probability, this could very well happen. And there yawns a gap. There is a gap between what is probably and what is real. There's a gap. Probabilities. We mentioned opportunities, probabilities. There's a gap. He says, so what I got to do, I'm getting ready to jump from where I stand to what could probably take place. They call that a blind leap, huh? a leap into the darkness. So we stand absurd. Then here we are getting ready to jump. We see behind us sink the ground. So in other words, you're standing here getting ready to jump, but the ground behind you is sinking. So now, what do you do? Now you must rely upon probability. If I don't jump, I can't go back because I put myself out here. Now, is it making sense now? I put myself out here. I have believed this thing to be true, and now I have no choice other than to rely upon what I believe to be true. That's what he's saying. And he says, and worse, our very standpoint crumbles. <laughs> the very standpoint, the thing that we represented, the thing that we believed, our truth crumbles. It falls apart. See, I, I based my life upon the fact, here's a person, basing his or her life on the fact that God is a particular way or there is no God. The Bible says, a fool has said that. But you better be careful if you bank your life on a statement that you heard somebody else say or some information you get off the web. You see, and when you get that information and if you bank your life upon it, what will happen? He says, now we begin to see that, that, uh, that standpoint, and this is the place that you stand, it begins to crumble. That argument falls apart. And he said, desperate yawns, dawns are only hope. Desperately now, the only hope is to leap into the Word. Now, after it's all said, the ground has crumbled. We're standing on what we believe. Our only hope is to take a leap beyond that gap into the Word. Now what happens? That now, now, behind me, before me, everything is destroyed. So the only thing left for me is to jump over all the stuff into the Word of God. I must believe the Word now. I have no choice. I have no, I, have, I, I can't decide otherwise. Because everything else has fall, fallen apart. So when I jump, I leap into the Word. That Word opens up the shuttered universe. <laughs> the blinds are closed. I don't understand any of these things. But when I take the leap, then a whole new world opens up to me. That's what Jesus Christ offers us. He offers us a whole new world. 
He said, you thought, you see, as long as you stay on, on that plane, your, prob your, your, your probabilities, your thinking, your way, your habits, whatever, you see that, if what's going to happen, eventually all of those lies will be exposed for what they really are until you take the leap, until you take the leap of faith, taking that leap of faith. Now, if God said, I will give you eternal life, I'm going to leap into that. You see, and I fall into the arms of Christ. When I take the leap, it's as if I, it's a death, isn't it? I died to my belief. I determined not to know anything save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. So I just throw the whole of my life upon Him. Oh, I'm, I'm done. The song, Pastor Elder Greg, I want you to get ready to sing this one. I'm just going to read the words. When I read the words, he's going to sing them to you. <laughs> you want me to sing it? <laughs> the words, the song is, when it's all said and done, when it's all been said, and done. That's just one thing that matters. Did I do my best to live for truth? Did I live my life for you? When it's all been said and done, all my treasures will mean nothing. Only what I've done for love's reward will stand the test of time. Lord, your mercy is so great that you look beyond our weakness and find purest gold in miry clay, turning sinners into saints. Hallelujah. I will always sing your praise here on earth and ever after, for you've shown me heavens, my true home. When it's all been said and done, you're my life when life is gone. When it's all been said and done There is just one thing that matters Did I do my best to live for truth? Did I live my life for you? When it's all been said and done All my treasures will mean nothing Only what I've done for love will stand the test of time. Lord, your mercy is so great that you look beyond our weakness and find purest gold in my place, making sinners into saints. 
Something to think about. What really matters? What really matters? Things that appear to be so important in life that we place them as our priorities. But the day will come, as we've seen, as we close this year 2023, so many of those that we love, that we've known, have transitioned. But what's the sum total of your life? What's the sum of your life? What do you stand for? What message is your life proclaiming and will continue to proclaim even after you're gone from this side to eternity, your rewards. That's something we have to ask ourselves a question. Before we even come back tonight, we're going to be receiving tonight Holy Communion. That means we're going to examine ourselves, but don't let the examination begin when we come together tonight. Start now. Looking into your life, what are the things that really matter? Does Christ matter as much as he ought to matter? Things of God matter as they ought to matter. Or other things squeezed the life of Christ out of you so that now you're not seeing him as he is, but seeing him as you would like for him to be. So, Father, we pray that even those that's in the house today will have eyes wide open. And even as the lepers were cleansed as they went. We believe, too, that as we move in your direction, that any spiritual leprosy or anything within our lives that are diseased will be healed. We understand that the spiritual health is more important than the physical health, but yet the physical is merely a demonstration of what you desire to do spiritually within us. So, Lord, let this be the day where we move towards the temple, we move towards the sanctuary, we, Lord, come and surrender our all to you. In Jesus' name, amen.